on this podcast, I was joined by sports journalist and 67 Hail Hail host, Hamish Carton. Regan, thanks very much for having me on, mate. I appreciate it. No, no worries. So, through doing media, have you been able to go to any of the games? I've been to a couple of games this season. I was at... That's St Mirren Ross County near the start of the season. That was a one-all draw, and I was then a couple of weeks later. I was at Kilmarnock Four, Dundee United Nil, which was it was a bit of a a crazy scoreline. Um, but that's the two games I've been at. It's it's very different going to games, having to wear your mask, and rather than everyone going and doing the post-match interviews, maybe only a couple of members of the press are able to do it, and then they have to pass the quotes on to you. So it's very different. It's good just to be back at a game, and I, I can't wait to be able to go back as a fan. Yeah. So, first of all, Hamish, I just want to get your take on how you feel the football being played behind closed doors. It doesn't sit well with me. I'm I'm not a fan of it. I think initially when it came in, there was a, what's the phrase? There was that initial kind of honeymoon period where you were, you wanted to see what it was like. You wanted to be able to hear the players shouting at each other and hear the managers shouting and when I went to those two games, it was great being able to hear the managers shouting instructions at their players. It's like Mickey Mellon at Dundee United. Didn't they stop the whole game shouting at his players? And that's the stuff you, you normally don't hear. So I found that so interesting. But as time's gone on, I'm just getting really fed up with it. I think the games lose so much. Obviously, we've got a huge game this weekend, Celtic and Rangers, where I think it's going to be so noticeable that we've got no fans at that game more than any other game probably anywhere. There's probably not a game anywhere else in Europe that, you know, relies on the fans so much to create the spectacle. So I just, I'm fed up with it. I think we need fans back as soon as possible, but equally I understand that it's difficult for the government when people are getting this virus in greater numbers and people are sadly passing away from it. Um, I get why the government have got to take this stance and they can't be seen to have you know, full stadia, 60,000 at Celtic, 50,000 at Rangers, 20 at Aberdeen. But I'd like to think we could maybe get, I don't know, a couple of thousand into games because I think you see even a couple of thousand make a big difference. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on uh, Scotland. Uh, they've qualified for the final of the, the, the 2020 playoff. Yeah, they were good the other night when they played against uh, Slovakia. They weren't as good against Israel, I thought, but I think there's signs there that that Steve Clark's starting to build a team that's a bit similar to the, the team he had at Kilmarnock. I saw a lot of them at Kilmarnock through my, my various jobs I had. I reported in their games a lot, and they were never really great in the eye. I think I saw them probably about a dozen games in the season, and they probably impressed me once out of those 12 games. But the thing about that Kelly team where that they invariably got results. They didn't give silly goals away. And I think we're starting to see that with Scotland now. I think these people expecting Scotland to be playing this free-flowing football and really impressing us. I just don't think that's going to happen under Steve Clark. But I think if we're getting the results, that's all that really matters. I mean, we've been away from a major tournament for, what is it, 22 years now? 23 years by the time it comes to next year. Um, so I think we'll take any kind of results the way they come, but I don't think it's going to be great. But there's definitely there's definitely signs of improvement there from a Scotland point of view under Steve Clark. So do you want to tell us a bit about your media opportunities that you've had? Yeah. 
So at the moment, I'm working for a company, GRV Media, who basically own a lot of different websites. The kind of main flagship website is HITC, which you've maybe heard of, and they've also got TBR Football, which is the boot room. And on top of that, they've got a whole load of different club sites. So they've got a Celtic club site, they've got a Rangers club site, they've got one called Not the Old Firm, which is does what it yeah. says in the tin, and it covers obviously every other team apart from the big two in Glasgow. They've got Liverpool ones, Man United ones, all down to smaller clubs like Preston North End, Nottingham Forest. So they basically own all of these club sites, and I happen to work for the Celtic one, which is called 67 Hail Hail. So we're officially now the biggest Celtic website, Celtic fans website around. We looking at the numbers from last month, we've overtaken some of the top ones. And um, I write for them one day a week, but the rest of the time is spent on the YouTube channel, which I'm kind of the face of. Um, I do videos, post-match reactions with my, my work colleagues. I do live solo videos just like this. Um, and yeah, that, that's basically my job, working in 67 Hail Hail. And we're, we're just kind of growing gradually, but we're making good progress. So do you get to go to the, the press conference to interview the managers? Sadly not at the moment. We've, we've not got the press access yet. Um, hopefully that comes over time. I think it's all about building our reputation at the moment. And I think Celtic are open to, to getting more fan media in. Um, I don't know if you've heard the 90 Minute Cynic podcast, but they... Um, yeah, they've um, they've got press conference access. So the club are clearly open to doing stuff like that. So hopefully from our point of view, further down the line, if we continue to grow and not just grow, but also get a good reputation for not taking the piss about the club, being honest about things, not clickbaiting, which we don't do at all, not you know selling a story that's not there, like maybe some of the tabloids sometimes do. If we get a good reputation for wanting to inform supporters of what's happening at the club in an honest manner, then hopefully further down the club will, will give us that access. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Celtic Rangers game this, this weekend. Looking forward to it. It's going to be weird with, with no fans, as I touched on earlier. I don't really know what to expect because I know this year has just been the most mental year ever in the history of anything, but yeah. a Celtic Rangers game with no fans seems like totally impossible to comprehend. So it's going to be crazy with the players coming out and no, you know, no wall of noise, no roar from the home support. But um, I'm quietly confident. I think a lot of people have written Celtic off over the last wee while. I think a lot of people think Rangers are the team at the moment in the ascendancy. I think player for player, Celtic still have a better squad um, better players overall and I think most tellingly we've got a point to prove when we play Rangers on Saturday you can't forget they've, they've battered us the last couple of games now I know we won at Hamden but they were the better team at Hamden they should have won that game and then the last game at Parkhead they were much better than us as well so hopefully we're a point to prove we can do the business From a Celtic point of view how, how would you set up because obviously they've got Edward they've got Elhamad and Vitton who are missing from the starting lineup. It's good you asked me because I've actually got my team here for the, for the stuff I've been doing on the channel. So um, I would start, I'd play 3 5 2. I'd start with Barkas and Nets. I'd go, he's basically got no option other than to play Duffy, Julian, and Ayer at the back because obviously Elhamid's missing, Beton's missing as well. Um, Frimpong, I think, will play right wing back. I then think he will play Laxalt, the new signing at left wing back. Sign for AC Milan. So if he's not up for a, a game against bloody. 
Rangers, then come on. He should be able to deal with that. So that's what I'm saying. I, I think he'll start like Salt. But I think Taylor, Taylor's probably the safe option. And I, I'm not as negative towards Greg Taylor as some Celtic fans are. But I think Laxalt, given his pedigree, you know, he's played in a World Cup quarterfinal for Uruguay, this guy. This guy. He's able to, or he should be able to play in a derby game against Rangers, especially with no fans. I mean, I could get it if he was going into a game and it was a full house and it might be quite daunting for him. But with no fans, he's able to deal with it. He's played against some of the best teams in Italy. He's played, as I say, in a World Cup quarterfinal against France. He should be able to deal with Jordan Jones and... Brandon Barker, surely. If I move forward, midfield three, I think he'll go Scott Brown and Callum McGregor sitting. And then I think he'll have Olivier and Cham in front of them. Obviously, Ryan Christie won't be there. Um, although I don't think it's as big a miss as some people are making out. Like, I don't think Ryan Christie's been great um, over the last wee while. And going forward, Edward Ayeti for me. I think there's a big question mark over both, whether they'll be fit. Ayeti pulled up um, in the Hibs game after scoring hamstring injury and obviously Edward tested positive for COVID-19 last week so big question marks over whether both of them are fit but I think he'll play Edward and Ayeti up front what do you think? I think he'll play Griffiths and Ayeti Really? Right, okay So the next thing I want to get your thoughts on is Celtic started for the season Yep we've not played our best I don't think anyone would argue against that we've we're probably looking at the games only performed well in a couple. Where the Hibs home game stands out as a great performance. The Hamilton game on Trophy Day, literally the first game of the season, I think was a good performance as well. The rest of the games has been big question marks over for me. Even the, the Ross County win 5-0 away from home. We won 5-0, but I came away from the game thinking that there was a lot to improve on. And I think that's been the case in most games. But the biggest compliment you can pay this team, and you've been able to pay them over the last few seasons, to be honest, is they keep winning. Even when they're not playing well, they keep winning games. You know, Dundee United away, we score, I think, 86 minutes. Ayeti scores to win that game. St Mirren, we go behind, we come back to win that game. The Latvian team, Riga, we score last minute to win that game. St Johnson, we score the two late goals. So it's a team that has that ability to win games late on. And I think the Celtic support will know that, I, I don't know if you've seen the run of fixtures now, but it's basically yeah. we play we play Rangers, then we go AC Milan, then we've got Aberdeen at Pataudry, then we play Lille away from home, then Aberdeen Scottish Cup semi final, then Sparta Prague, and then we go to Motherwell before the next international break. So it's just big fixture after big fixture. So I think we all know that we have to play better to get results, because if we keep performing at the level we have so far, we'll probably win one of those games, if that. So we really need to up our game, but I've got confidence that we will up our game. From a Rangers point of view, do you think that this is their best chance to beat Celtic? It has to be. Like When you see the players we are missing and the way we've played... It has to be a big chance for them, but but equally, like I've seen a lot of folks saying that Rangers have been excellent. I've seen them a bit, and and I think they've I think they've flattered to deceive sometimes when I've seen them. You're laughing, but it's it's the case. Like I'm, I think they've uh, I think they've kind of been poor a few games. I saw them at Hibs, and I wasn't massively impressed with them. Honestly, like Hibs, Hibs could have won that game with the chances they created. Um, I saw the bits of their game, uh, Ross County, it was the most recent game they played prior to the international break. They won that 2-0, but Ross County missed a really good-headed chance late on uh, with the score at 1-0, called Donaldson, put it over the bar. So there's real frailties in that Rangers team for me. 
other than Hibs away, they've not played a really what I would call a really good side. I know they've been to Aberdeen, but Aberdeen were were you know in a terrible place at the start of the season. So I think it's their biggest test by a mile. It's Celtic's biggest test as well. Like let's not make no bones about it. It's both teams have got their hardest game of the season on Saturday, and it's a huge game. But I, I think, as I said earlier, Celtic have more quality around the pitch, more match winners in their team. And most crucially, I think I think we've got a point to prove that, that maybe Rangers don't. Rangers have won the last two derbies. Maybe they think, maybe they'll go into the game a little bit overconfident, thinking, you know, we've battered them in the last two games, it's going to happen again. I hope they do, because I think we'll show them up if they do. The next thing I want to talk about is the two Scottish teams getting into the group stage of the Europa League. Yeah, it's um, tasty, isn't it? Yeah, Celtic got AC Milan and Rangers have got Benfica in the group. Yeah, so if you want me to take our group too, we've got AC Milan, Lille and Sparta Prague. So so it'll be tasty, I think. Um, it's weird because we're the top seeds, obviously. So you were thinking, we've got a good chance of getting a half-decent draw here and then Sparta Prague come out of pot two and you're thinking, that's all right. It could have been a lot worse than that. Hopefully we can get a couple of poor teams from pot three and pot four and then out comes AC Milan, who admittedly aren't the team they were 10, 15 years ago when they were winning the Champions Leagues and all that. But, you know, they've still got a half-decent team. They're still a good Italian team. And Lille, who I think might be the best team in the group. Um, they're joint top of league and in France at the moment. They've, I think they've won four and drawn two of their first six games. They've spent a lot of money in the summer. They also brought in a lot of money selling a few key players. But I think uh, Lille might be the team to beat. Um, but saying that, Rennes finished ahead of Lille last season and Rennes are top of the French league at the moment. And Celtic absolutely battered Rennes at home and probably should have won the game away from home as well. So I've got absolutely no worries about us coming out of that group, but I think it could be a challenge. Yeah. The next part I want to talk about is, uh, do you think this has been the best transfer window for Celtic in a long, long time? Yeah, I do, actually. I've not been a Celtic supporter for that long. Uh, well, I say that long. I've been for 15, 16 years, something like that. Um it's the best one I can remember. Uh, I think when you look at the key areas of the team, we needed a new goalkeeper after Forster decided he wasn't going to come back and we brought in um, Barkas, who maybe hasn't massively lived up to his name in the £5 million price tag yet, but I think there's definite signs there that he could go on to become a really good goalkeeper for us. We've obviously signed Shane Duffy, who the fans all wanted, and again, maybe hasn't quite hit the heights yet, but I think he'll come good, hopefully starting on Saturday. Elsewhere, you know, El Yunusi's come in again. Again, you could say the same, that he perhaps hasn't quite lived up to it, but I think we saw his quality last year, that he's a good player to bring in and loan. And then obviously you've got the Ayeti, who's just been brilliant. I absolutely love him. He's scored so many goals already. He's a real penalty box striker, similar to Gary Hooper in the way that he scores a lot of goals with one-touch finishes. And David Turnbull as well, who I really like. And I think David Turnbull will go on to have a really good career at Celtic. And he'll probably be moved on in, in the future for you know that 15 to £20 million pound price bracket. So it's been brilliant. On top of all that, we've kept a hold of all our star players. We've not lost anyone, really, that we didn't want to lose. I know, you know... Simunovic moved on and Johnny Hayes. Um, but in terms of players we kept, 
we've kept a hold of all the key ones and we've moved on some of the ones that we didn't want to, like Abu Kuasi's left the club permanently, Jack Hendry's gone out on loan, there's loads more as well, Marion Shved's gone out on loan, Bio's left the club, so we've got a lot of, a rid of a lot of the dead wood, we've strengthened in key areas and most importantly we kept a hold of Edward and Cham, Christie, players like that, Ayer, so it's all positive. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to get into the media? I think my, my main advice I always say is if you're studying at, at uni like you obviously are, I would say that it's key to get experience, um, to get some sort of experience. Now that experience can be anything. It can be going working with a paper, working with a radio station or do what you're doing, which I think is, is absolutely brilliant, getting out there and, and doing a podcast. Um, it's what we did when we started uni, we, we did it mainly because we wanted to chat about football and it's basically exact same as what you're doing. We started the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast, which is still still going on strong today. Um, you know, good listenership and gave us all massive confidence. My, my biggest advice is to get out there and, and get on with things and really get experience because it makes a massive difference. It gives yourself um, a confidence boost. It, meets, it lets you meet contacts for the future um, and it gives you real world experience. So I think you deserve credit for what you're doing. And if you can manage to work for clubs, you know, even if it's work experience, even if you're not getting paid or you can work at newspapers and get to cover games or do the odd writing shift, I would urge anyone like yourself to do that because I, I think it's, um, it's really good confidence boosting for you. What inspired you to go out and do that sort of thing? It's a good question. I don't know about your course at uni. Obviously, you're doing, um, is it multimedia journalism or broadcast journalism? It's broadcast production. Broadcast production. Right, so I don't know about yourself, but us at uni, our weeks were kind of quite short in that yeah, we were yeah. only in maybe three, sometimes four yeah, days a week. Days, and yeah. yeah, sometimes it was only maybe six hours a day, maybe even less than that sometimes. So so you're maybe talking like a, a 15 hour week or something. So you've got a lot of spare hours there. So we felt that sometimes when we were getting finished at like 2, 3 p.m., that rather than just going home, we kind of had, pa- we were all pals at uni and we got on well. So we kind of felt, why don't we do something together? And if we're chatting about football while having our lunch, why don't we go and do a podcast? And, and obviously UWS and, and most unis you go to nowadays will have good recording facilities, studios you can go into. Yeah. Obviously not at the moment, but but in normal times. So it was mainly kind of how quiet the weeks could be that gave you the opportunity to go and do your own thing. And obviously you're not getting paid to podcast. Um, it, it can sometimes be a bit of a pain having to do it, but we found it really enjoyable. Um, and as I say, it gives you gives you really good experience. So I, I do Burst Ball podcast, which is Scottish football. We do that once a week. I've also got a Celtic podcast, a Grand Old podcast that we do again once a week, actually. Um, both podcasts usually go out on like a Sunday, although it can differ. And um, I, I have a big part in editing those as well. I edit Burst Ball and I kind of take turns at editing the Grand Old podcast. So it's um, sometimes the editing can be a bit of a chore, but again, I just think that's another skill to have. Um, and obviously, with the doing production part of journalism that you're doing, it's important to to have those extra skills. So that's another bit of advice I would have if you can if you can get get to use or, or get used to doing, you know, Adobe Premiere and Audacity, editing audio, editing video. Um, it can be massively beneficial. Like at 
I struggled with it at first and I self-taught myself. I taught myself Me from too. YouTube videos. It's great, isn't it? Because you feel as if yeah. you've achieved something because you've gone out of your comfort zone and you've done it. So um, so that would be that'd be my more advice is that, you know, give it a go, editing. and Because and, folk will always be looking for editors. You can get folk like mad to write stuff and all that. But in terms of editing, I think that's quite a, a new skill. So for your podcast, who have you had on? Oh... At the moment, we're mainly, mainly just our pals. Um, back in the early days, I'm, I'm trying to think who the biggest. We had Derek Ray on, who's obviously the former BT Sport commentator. He was great. We had um, Jack Ross was on. That was back in his Alawa days. So that was before he was even at St Mirren, never mind Sunderland or Hibs. Yeah. And he was great as well. We had him on, and I think folk quite liked that. We just had kind of lower level people like that, no disrespect to, to them, obviously Jack Ross has, has grown a lot since then, um, we've had a few good names but mainly now it's just the guys chatting about football And you've had uh, Jackie McNamara on your uh, YouTube channel Yeah, I should have mentioned him actually, we've, we've got Jackie on 67 Hail Hail he joins us every fortnight on a Monday, he joins me and my colleague John McGinley and we just chat about things with Celtic and Jackie's great he's um, he gives really good sound opinions. He's the thing I like about him is that he's he's honest. He, he he doesn't just toe the party line. If if he disagrees with something at Celtic, even with it being his former teammate Neil Lennon, if he makes a, a sub he doesn't agree with, he will tell us. But equally, he's not he's not a Chris Commons. He's not a Charlie Nicholas who's completely negative about the club. He's really positive, Jackie. Um, and I think he sums up. He works quite well because he sums up how me and and my colleague John feel about Celtic as well. So. Um, Jackie's great. Um, I also do work with Emil Heskey, who works with um, the Liverpool channel that I'm not on, but that I edit. Uh, Rousing the Cop, that is as well. So if there's any Liverpool fans out there listening to this, they should check out Rousing the Cop on YouTube, um, where, again, another colleague of mine, Brendan, chats to Emil Heskey, just the same as the stuff with Jackie. A scoreline prediction for Saturday's squad would that be? So I think everyone assumes there's going to be lots of goals in this game, but I've got a feeling that the lack of atmosphere may quieten everything down a little bit. I think it might be a bit more tentative. It won't quite be the same end-to-end ferocious, you know, 100-mile-an-hour Celtic Rangers match that we're used to. I think it might be low scoring. I think there might only be one goal, uh, and I think Celtic might get it. Um, so I'll go 1-0 Celtic, although to, to go against all of that, one comment I would make is that I wonder if the lack of fans could mean that the first goal is less important. I've got this theory that usually during these games when the support are so up or down, whoever gets the first goal, I think it's a massive boost and the opposition get a real kind of hammer blow. Because um, if you think if this was Celtic playing in front of 60,000 Celtic fans on Saturday and we got the first goal, you'd be buzzing. But equally, if we lost the first goal, the fans would be turning on the players' backs. Yeah. So I feel that when there's no fans there, that first goal maybe isn't quite as important. However, seeing all that, I think the first goal will win it and I think it will be 1-0 Celtic. What about you? Um, I think 2-1 Celtic. Good. I love to hear that. Yeah. Okay, Hamish, thank you for coming on. No, it's been a pleasure, Regan. I appreciate it and I wish you all the best with your podcast and you're you're doing a great job. So take care. Thank you.
to say thank you to Hamish for coming on the show. Hopefully you all enjoyed that. And you enjoyed this weekend's match between Celtic and Rangers. Stay safe and you can follow Always Good Your Last Game on Facebook and on Twitter.